patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing, like, I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate I hate just like throwing up like any old symbol, snare drum, and whatever, um, building a kit, and then going to listen to the song, you're like, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. When you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sad. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. You break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do freeze in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases you Hey, hey, welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 55. Today, we are going to talk about eight steps for overcoming performance anxiety, otherwise known as stage fright. I have heard from several people and recently who are talking about what to do, asking what you do when you're about to play. Do I get nervous? Is it normal to get nervous? What are things that I do to help with performance anxiety or stage fright or whatever you want to call it? And um, yeah, so I'm, I broke down, I made a list earlier today of uh, eight steps, eight things that we can talk about that hopefully will help you deal with getting ready to perform and how to keep your nerves calm, and how to turn nervous energy into positive energy for your performance. Before we get into that, I want to say that this podcast episode is sponsored by the Drum Mantra 3030 course. The Drum Mantra 3030 course is a 30-day long course. You get a 30-minute lesson each day for 30 days. You don't have to finish the course in 30 days, but you get 30 30-minute long lessons. You can take as long as you want to, to finish it, but the goal is to, to help you build a practice habit. So the idea is you set aside a place to practice, and you commit to practicing for 30 minutes a day, every single day, 30 minutes, and you get a video with the exercises that you play, and they start off very simple, and they take you gradually into some territory that is pretty intense, but the way that it's set up, you should be able to gradually go into that challenging territory. And when I say challenging territory, I'm talking about polymetric relationships and coordination in 3-4 and 5-4 time um, is kind of the pinnacle of the course. But it starts off, I mean, the first 15 days... You're in 4-4 time, you're playing 16th notes on the snare drum, and you're playing different accent patterns, and you're playing different foot patterns. And it's, it's developing your, your discipline to practice every day. It's developing your awareness of time. You're building a lot of muscle memory because you're doing tons of repetitions of these exercises. And when you develop muscle memory, it allows your body to be connected deeply to your kind of your emotional musical expression and you don't have to use so much analyzation when you're performing music you can just express yourself from the level of emotion and your body knows what to do because you're you've developed muscle memory so it does a lot of that and ultimately what it does is it just makes you play with more confidence because when you understand a deeper level to coordination and time signatures and rhythmic relationships when you know that stuff, you just 
you feel more grounded, you feel more focused, you understand more, so you're going to be able to come from a space of deeper knowledge. And quite honestly, the people who have done the 30-30, I've noticed that their groove is deeper, their time is better, and a lot of people have said that they just feel like they have they play with more authority. So that is the whole goal of the 30-30. I have opened up the course to be available anytime. It used to be that you would have to wait three times a year I would open up the course and it would be available and people would sign up and they'd take the course and then it wouldn't be available again for, for several months. And I've set it up in a way now on the drummantra.com website to be evergreen. You can sign up for the course anytime you want and you can get in and, and start it and do it at your own pace. You can still... Um, make comments on each lesson and I will get in there and respond to you and we can still communicate in that way. But if you're on the fence about or trying to figure out what you can do to really hone your skills and and find something that you can work on that's really going to make a difference in your playing, I highly recommend this 30-30 course. Over 40, uh, it's been used in over 40 countries around the world and we're just finding new ways to play the the material daily. In fact, uh, a, a buddy of mine in uh, Switzerland just came up with an awesome modification to one of the sections of the course. The course is based on the Foundational Series book. And so he modified an exercise from the 3030 that also comes from the book. And I was so knocked out by it that I turned it into an entire audio pack that comes with the course now. So when you take the course, you will have access to these new modifications from Lucas Landis, and we're continually adding things to the course. So the course is yours forever. Um, Once you sign up and take it, you can keep going back and retaking it. And if I add new things to the course, I you, you get a notification. You can go back and work on new things. So it's a super cool deal, and um, I highly recommend it. I go through it every once in a while myself and really enjoy it, and I've gotten so much out of it. So the Drum Mantra 3030 course, check it out at drummantra.com. And really, that kind of, that kind of leads us right into what we're going to talk about today, the eight Eight Steps for Overcoming Performance Anxiety. It's not necessarily steps. It's I just listed out eight things that I, I sat down and thought about. And it's funny, it, right now it's, it's 11, almost 11.30 on Monday night, and I actually just got home from playing a gig. And uh, as soon as the gig was over, I packed up, and I knew I wanted to do this podcast. So I packed up, came home, came straight to the studio, turned the gear on and was hoping that I would have the energy because it's kind of late but uh, I'm feeling pretty good and I think it's I think it's good because I just played a gig with a band in Chicago called the unknown new and it is a really intense group and we were playing music that was composed by a brilliant composer and he plays bass in this particular band Paul Mutzabaugh uh, you've probably heard me talk about him before. He's he's, I work with him usually when he plays piano or keyboards, but he's playing bass in this band, and he's a ridiculous bass player. He's just an awesome all-around musician and a wonderful composer. And so he composed all the music that this group plays. It's um, electric guitar. Well, the one guitar player plays what's called an uber guitar, so it's electric guitar and synth guitar. And everything is written out specifically for each musician. So he does that. Mike Pinto plays the uber guitar. Tonight, Andrew Eklund subbed for Mike Pinto and um, played guitar. And then Chris Siebold plays lap steel and electric guitar. And Chris Siebold was on Prairie Home Companion for a long time, and he's a, a massive guitar hero in Chicago. Very fine player um, on the international level he plays with plays and tours with Howard Levy and he's a top call session guy in town wonderful player and um, Jim Tashin is playing acoustic guitar and Jim is actually the electric guitarist in 
the Prague band from Chicago called District 97, and that's they kind of have some international acclaim. He's the guitarist in that band, electric, but in The Unknown New, he plays acoustic guitar. And then on drums is Jim uh, is John Dietemeyer, who's a wonderful jazz drummer in town, and he's he's just fantastic, and he's so busy. He tours all over the world all the time, and he actually wasn't there tonight. So the sub on the drum chair was Vance Orkrachevsky. He's also equally just a fantastic player, studied at DePaul. He does a lot of musicals in town, and he's really good. Uh, and then, of course, Paul is playing bass, and then I'm playing percussion. And the band requires attention. It requires preparation before the performance. And even on the performance, you are reading every note that you play, basically. I mean, there's some leeway, and there's open sections for solos and stuff. But um, I thought it was interesting that I decided to talk about overcoming performance anxiety and then just happened to be playing a gig with a band that is um, something that's not just, you know, jump in and, and play a bunch of rock songs and have a, have a party on stage. I mean, it's, it's a concert-oriented group. It's kind of like a Americana jazz chamber group, I would say. Um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily, well trying to think of the last time that I actually was anxious and excited and nervous to play. Um, there's a little bit about of that every time I, I get ready to play. I mean, I've played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs. I play, I don't play as many gigs nowadays as I used to. I used to probably play 250 dates a year for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. And then Maybe the last decade I've played, I, I probably play uh, 200, 200 gigs a year now, somewhere around there. So I've played a lot, and I've played everything from arenas to small coffee shops, everything in between, every style of music, every kind of situation. So I've definitely learned a lot about dealing with um, nerves. I think... I mean, I, I think there's a you can turn anxiety or nervousness into positive energy for sure. And let's let's try to break this down a little bit and see if if we can hash through some of these things. And and maybe maybe one of these things that I'll list is speaking to you more than others. So um, hopefully hopefully some of this information will will get through and and help you out in some way. So the number one thing, and I actually mentioned this to Chris Siebold tonight. I told him that I was doing this podcast, and he said, well, so what's your list? And I said, well, number one, and he said, know the music. And I'm like, yep, number one, be prepared. One of the best ways to eliminate anxiety is to know what you're doing when you go on stage. Be prepared. It's your job to perform, so you need to do everything you ha you can in order to be prepared. If that means, you know, transcribing the music, practicing the music on your own at home, really getting into the music. I and maybe maybe you're in a band that rehearses a lot, so you want to be prepared. The band needs to be prepared, but you particularly want to know down cold everything that's going to happen on the show. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, you know, listening to the music while you're driving, really trying to get it into your memory. If you're reading charts, make sure you've made notes on your charts so you know what you're doing. But if you have charts, and I'm very guilty of this, uh, you know, basically sight reading on the gig because I didn't prepare enough and I've learned lessons the hard way. And I've also realized that my natural musical instinct and my ability to, to read has made it easier for me to uh, be prepared for a gig without having to do a crazy amount of work. But in the beginning, if you're new, you might have to 
you might have to spend 10 hours of your week preparing for a one-hour performance. And that's totally, totally fine and totally legit. And we all have to go through that at one time in our lives. And the thing is, you want to want to realize that you want to take it very seriously. And if you're preparing yourself, realize that this is this is a skill. This is something that you're developing. You're developing the ability to listen to music, to dissect music, to hear it in a way that you understand the bigger chunks of it, to know what the emotional content is of it, to know how you function within the music. So you might have to play along to the songs that you're going to perform over and over again just to get your body movement right. If you're doing a creative concert, you may need to understand the emotional content and uh, the the way that the music is written and the way that the players play. Those are ways to be prepared. And if you think of it as your job, and your job is to play one concert this week, and the concert is one hour long, well, how much work are you willing to put in to do that one-hour performance? It might take you 10, 15, 20 hours to prepare for that one-hour performance. But the more you are prepared, the, the less nervous you're going to be when you get on stage. You're going you're gonna to be confident. You're going to have it down cold. You're going to understand everything that you can do about it. And that is going to help relieve performance anxiety for sure. Confidence comes from knowing the material. So number one, absolutely, you have to be prepared. Okay, number two. This is one that is very interesting. In the beginning of my musical career, I had this. In the middle of my music career, I didn't have this. And now, in the current part of my music career, for the last 10 years or so, I have it again. And here it is. Number two, ways to overcome performance anxiety is to have a personal connection with the people that you play with. If you're friends with the musicians you are playing with, it will always lighten the anxiety because you are all in it together. So when you're playing with your friends, that's a, that's a good thing and it could be a dangerous thing because if you're Sometimes you could get lazy if you're hanging with your friends and not be working on the music so much. But when you're in a band, those musicians are your family. I like to think of them as my family, and those are my that's my musical family. And you're having you have a relationship with each person in the band, and they're different relationships. But if you're friends with the musicians that you're playing with, that makes playing a whole lot more fun first of all because you might have an inside joke you might have a you might have a way that you play that other people know and that you know when someone's doing something you know how it relates to their personality and all of a sudden you're playing music from a deeper level than just playing your instruments and playing songs you're actually being friends and having a musical conversation just like you would if you were all having brunch together. So having a personal connection with other players is huge. That's so big that I make it number two on the list. In the beginning of my career, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, you you put a band together and you do original band music. So you've written music with your band and you want to go out and play gigs. Well, you put that band together. Sometimes, most of the times, it's based on who your buddies are that play, you put those bands together. And so that was definitely the beginning of my actual professional career. Now, of course, if you're you know, young enough and you're in high school or middle school or college, you may be playing just in the bands at your school, and you might not necessarily know all the people. If you're playing in a concert band, you're probably not going to know all the people in your band. If you're playing in a big band in college or high school, you'll, you probably will know them, but maybe not well. And if you're playing in like a small group, you definitely will know them. So, you know, take the time and get to know the people that you're playing with. Get to know their personalities. Try to make some connection with them because that makes you so relaxed when you're going on stage. There's nothing worse than going on stage. Well, I mean, there's plenty worse, but, you know, one thing that's a drag is when you go on stage and you literally don't know anybody that's on stage and you're all about to play a concert together. 
And that might seem completely foreign to some of you, and to others, you might go, yep, I do that all the time. In fact, there was a band leader in Chicago who used to have a rule. He would say, don't shake hands with anyone on the bandstand because it will make people think that you don't know each other and that you haven't played together before. So, you know, it's very important, even even from that perspective of like, you don't want to give, like if you're saying, hey man, you, you shake their hand, you don't want to give the impression that the people in the audience are like, oh my gosh, these people don't even know each other. And that was this this was this band leader's rule. This was from a long time ago, but I thought that was interesting. But a positive spin on that is when you're on this when you're on stage with friends, it's gonna be awesome. But a lot of times, like I said in the middle part of my career, when you're getting hired as a sideman, a lot of times you're showing up in a recording studio or on a gig, backing up an artist, and you literally don't know anybody else in the band. Maybe you know one person. Maybe you know the person who who got you on the gig or whatever. And in that case, you just need to be uber prepared. And your your whole mindset changes when when you're in a situation where you don't know anybody else because you've got to turn on a lot of things quickly. You have to be very personable. You have to pay attention to everything that's going on so you really know what's happening. And you need to be as good of a team player as you know how to be and give all of your attention to the music and to the performance and whoever's leading the situation. That's who you're giving your attention to and you're just very aware of everybody and you're trying to be cool. I mean, the the bottom line with personal connection is if you're super cool and you're kind and you're prepared... People are going to like you on the bandstand or the recording session or whatever. So be that person because once people like you, like you, it lightens things up. Some jokes might happen. Some stories might happen. And you just kind of, you know, you, you, tread, you tread lightly until you feel like you see your places to, to get in and hang and, you know, kind of speed up the process of becoming friends with these people. So that's 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 definitely an op- a situation that might occur. It occurred for me for about a decade in the middle part of my life where I was getting called for recording sessions and and um, you know playing for artists and literally not knowing anyone or I might know people in the band but they're way on the other side of the stage and I won't even be talking to them because they're so far away that you know they're they're just playing their part, I'm playing my part and that's the gig. And then recently I've been back into a situation in Chicago where I play with, you know, people who've been my friends for 15 or more years and we have a great time. So when you're going on stage, there's I, you know, I have no performance anxiety when I'm on stage with my friends because I know we're all in it together. We're there to have a good time and that usually relieves a lot of anxiety. So if you're if you're not friends with the people you're playing with, figure out how to be friends real quick. And if you are friends with everybody, just make sure you're prepared, get on stage and do it. So having a personal connection with other players is big. Okay, number three, be authentic. Your authenticity and intention to perform well provides inspiration to others. So when you're authentic, that means that you're just, you're being real about things. Then your intention to perform the music as best as you can will will emanate out and inspire the other musicians and inspire the audience to it just inspires everyone to kind of uplift what they're doing so if your intention is if you're prepared and you go in and you're cool to everybody and you're authentically yourself you're not trying to hype anyone out or trying to be like act like someone you're not you're being real you're prepared, you're not, there's no nonsense, you're ready to do the gig, and, and your intention is to perform well, it inspires everyone else around you to lift whatever it is that they're doing up to the next level because you are being real about it and, and bringing things in at a really solid level. And that helps you overcome performance anxiety because you're in a totally different mental space. You're going in there with confidence and authenticity 
to do what's right, to do music at the highest level that you know how to, and to be real about it. Now, the crazy thing is, being authentic is one of the hardest things that musicians learn or have to learn because so much of our training is based on learning to play things that we like from other people, you know, transcribing other musicians, trying to cop the vibe and the feel of your favorite players. There's that period where it's kind of like a little bit of what Steve Lyman called an imposter syndrome, where you're not really sure who you are, where your voice is, and where things are that you took from other people. So you've got to kind of stay true to yourself and just, you know, when you're learning things, learn them because you're interested in it. Don't learn them. Well, you know, you're going to learn things no matter what. Someone might inspire you to learn something that's not really something that you would do, but you learn it. And when you do, that gives you a little bit more vocabulary. So all of it is good. If you're in the mode of learning, you're good. Okay? If you start to jive your way through something and fake your way through something, that's when you got to start looking in the mirror and being careful about things. So being authentic, being who you are, performing in a way that you believe is correct for you, for who you are. I play gigs and drums way differently than everybody else I know. I mean, we all play differently. When I did the Miranda Lambert tour, I'm all of a sudden in arenas every night, and I start the show, and I just had to be like, yeah, this is what it, this is my role. I'm ready to do the gig. I like all the people on the stage. And okay, I'm, I'm the first sound that 15,000 people are going to hear is me playing a drum beat. Great. Well, I'm going to be authentic, and I know that the way that the intro is played on the record is one way, because Chad Cromwell played it, and I know that I understand where Chad's coming from, but I'm me, and I'm trying to put out my authentic energy, and so I'm going to play the intro differently. I'm going to play it with my energy. I'm going to play it with my intention, and I'm going to also play it with respect to the style, of course. I'm not going to do something that's out of context, but when I'm authentic... It gets everyone else that's about to get onto the stage, the whole band, it's going to get them pumped up and ready to rock it too because they see me giving it my all, being authentic and intending to perform well because I'm there to knock it out of the park and I know that when I'm doing that, everyone gets inspired. The audience gets excited, the band gets excited and when you come from a space like that in your mindset, performance anxiety doesn't even make any sense all, all of a sudden. It's like, how can you even think about something like performance anxiety when you're going out there and being your authentic self with the intent to perform well, the stuff you've prepared, and you've made personal connections with everyone, you're going to kill it. Performance anxiety? What? What do you mean? Okay, so being authentic. Okay, number four. I'm going to sort of... I'm throwing this in there, and this could go really at number one if you're trying to, you know, overcome performance anxiety in the moment. If you're if you're about to go on and you're freaking out, here it is. Ready? Breathe. Breathing. Take some intentional deep breaths. That's an excellent way to calm your nerves. Just close your eyes, take a deep breath, and don't think about anything but I'm breathing in. And then you exhale and you think, I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in, breathing out. Take, take some breaths. Remember to breathe. Remember that you're a human and life is okay. You're not, it's, this is not life and death. This is a concert. It's a performance. It's a gig. Take some breaths. You're going to be okay. Breathing calms you down. When you're focused on your breath, it really calms you down and it gets you centered and focused. When you're taking breathe when you're taking nice breathing in and out and you're focusing on your breath and you're and it, it kind of it eliminates all these 
what ifs in your mind because that's where anxiety comes from. Anxiety comes from the thought of what if I don't do well? What if something wrong happens? What if they think that we don't sound good? You know, it's all these what ifs. That's what creates anxiety. And that's because you're stuck in your head. When you're stuck in your head, you get anxious about stuff. You get nervous about stuff because you start throwing out, your mind starts throwing out these scenarios that aren't true, but convince you that they could be true. And that starts to paralyze you and you get performance anxiety. Breathing eliminates that thought process. Breathing brings you back into the room that you're standing in, literally standing in. Breathing in, breathing out. Feeling your, feeling the pulse in your hands. Observing the colors in the room. I mean, really get yourself present. Get yourself right in the moment. Then, when those negative thoughts start to dissipate, the what-ifs, and you're back, you're focused, you're centered, boom. You got a, a lot of energy comes from being centered. And a great way to get centered is to breathe. Just simply calm, inhale and exhale. So breathing calms the nerves. Okay, and that can go anywhere. I mean, that that could be number one, really. But I do think you need to be prepared. You can't just say, oh... I got hired for a gig. I'm not going to do anything but breathe. And I know it's going to all go well. (laughs) You have to be prepared. You have to have personal connections with other players if you can. You have to be authentic. And if you're on stage, if you're about to go on stage and you get nervous, breathe. Okay, number five. This is sort of part of being prepared, but it goes a little deeper into other parts of the performance. It's number five is be as involved as possible with as many details of the performance as you can. Like the more you know, the better off you're going to be. So know the set list, know the tempos, know the call time. If it's a if if you're playing theaters, there's going to be a call time. If you're playing if you're playing a nightclub, it's totally different than playing a theater. It's totally different than playing a corporate event. It's totally different than playing an arena. Everything has its schedule, okay? And you, you're going to adhere to that schedule. If you're, if you're a rock band and you're playing, you know, a Thursday night on a five-band bill and you have 35 minutes and you go on at 9.15 and you're done at 9.50, well, you need to know that. And you need to know that going on at 9.15 and you have 15-minute changeover, so the, sta- the stage is clear at 9. You get your gear on. You get set up as fast as you can. At 9.15, you start. At 9.50, thank you, good night. You tear your gear down. You get off stage as fast as you can. And the next band comes up. I mean, that is the reality of a certain s- part of the music scene, the music business. <clears throat> if you're playing a corporate event... And they say uh, jazz trio at seven, and then at eight o'clock, uh, the singers are going to join, and the horn players are going to join, and it will be dancing from uh, eight to eleven, and then uh, DJ takes it over at eleven thirty, and that's the gig. Well, if if you're in the rhythm section and you start at whatever I said six o'clock or seven, I don't remember what I said, you need to be there early enough to be all to have your stuff set up but but you need to know the timeline if you're doing a tour you're going to get the timeline on your bus and then usually it's like you're pulling into the venue in the middle of the night you wake up you've got sound check at 3 you have dinner at 5 you chill the first band goes on at 7:30 second band goes on at 8:30 you know et cetera, et cetera. you go on you play a 100 minute set uh, then you hang out after the gig. Bus call is 2 a.m. You, you make sure you're on the bus. I, I've known people who have missed their bus and they are stuck at the arena in the middle of nowhere. And so you have to know. <laughs> you have to know what's going on. So being as, and as involved as possible with as many details of the performance as you can, if you know what the light cues are, if you know what the choreography cues are, 
or the order of solos if you're playing in a you know like a jazz situation who's playing the next solo like if you know these things who starts the song if you're on a click but the guitar player starts the song you need to know that so the more things that you can know about everything that goes into the whole show and and some people would say stay in your lane you're the drummer your your job is to play the drums and to count the songs off but I've always been a person who's interested in all aspects of what's going on. I want to know as many things as I can of what it is I'm doing because it's interesting to me. It's it's fun to to see the whole the whole picture instead of just, you know, being the guy that comes in to do your little piece of the job and then goes away. If this is your life, then why not be as interested and as and as involved as you can in as many aspects as makes sense for you to feel like you have more confidence in what it is you're going to do. That just seems like a no-brainer to me. So be as involved as possible. Pay attention to the people who are talking about the details of the performance or the night or the way that the concert's going to go because the more you know, the less you're going to have to worry about and that is like another level of being prepared. So I'm totally into, and I love knowing as much as I can about whatever it is that's going on. Okay, number six. Let's see, I'm reading these. So it says, take on the role of being the backbone and solid foundation for anyone else in the group that may be anxious or nervous. Okay, if you are prepared, if you're aware of what's going on, if you're pumped up, and you then you will be able to calm or pump up the other people in the group as well. So take on that role of being what we call uh, my good friend in Chicago, bass player Chris Clementi in, in our band, we call him the spiritual messiah. And he's the guy that kind of sets the tone for all of us. He's fun-loving, he's, he's smart, he's on his game, he knows his gear, he knows what everyone else is doing, he sings, he calls the tunes, and we call him the spiritual messiah. He kind of like he sets the tone and he sets the he sets the energy and the vibe for for the whole band. And he he uplifts everyone's spirits because he's always in a good mood and it's it, he is that he is that person for many people. I mean in our, in our in our main corporate band there's you know, 12 musicians and five crew. It's a big, it's a big organization. And Chris, the spiritual Messiah, will take on that role of being the backbone and solid foundation. And it just uplifts everyone else. Not that anyone in that band gets nervous about performing or anything, but it just, you know, if you, if you see yourself as, as one of the people, and, and, the thing is, in that particular band that I'm talking about, it's called it's called BKO. It's a 12-piece. It's one of the top corporate bands in Chicago. It's it's one of the main ways that I uh, make my living is playing these huge corporate events with this amazing band. Is the band is basically full of leaders. Like everyone in this band leads their own bands in other situations, and when you're a leader you know all the details about what goes into booking a band, what goes into promoting a band, etc., and you know how to control the stage. So try to take on that role of being the leader. And that's not saying that you're going to start bossing people around, but the more you're aware of everything, you're prepared, you're friends with everybody, you're authentic, you're involved in all the details, you take on that role of being the backbone and the solid foundation, then you're you're helping ease anyone else that might potentially be nervous. So you've removed your performance anxiety. That's, I mean, as you can see, what I'm talking about here. How could you even have performance anxiety if you if you're paying attention to these things on this list? Just they just disappear. But be that strong, solid foundation for someone else. If someone seems nervous, you know. You're not going to say, man, you need to be prepared. You need to be more prepared. No, you're going to say, hey, why don't you take some deep breaths? It really will help you calm down. And, and you know, you now are in a position of helping someone else get through a potential anxiety of their own. Take that role on. Become a leader. 
in whatever way works without, you know, there's certain rules about who an actual leader is in a band, the MD, the musical director, the producer, etc. So it's not like you're stepping into that role, but you're stepping into the role of a confident person who is there for their for their friends who are also playing on the stage. If you're prepared and aware, that's just it's just a great thing. And calming calming your bandmates down if they need to be calmed down before the show or if they need to be pumped up. A lot of times you want to calm yourself down because you want to calm yourself down from the world. You want to eliminate all the things that have been going on in your day because, you know, people are not rock stars 24-7. I mean, you still have to go to the grocery store. You still have to take your kids to school. You still have to eat lunch. You still have to, you know, go to the dry cleaner. You still have to do the dishes. Their their life, everyone does this, has things that they do in their life. And then you go do your performance. <clears throat> So when you are doing your performance, before you go on, you might need to calm down. You might have had a stressful, crazy day of driving your kids all around, or you you had bad grade, you know, bad tests if you're in college or whatever. So you're going to calm yourself down. You're going to bring yourself into the centering of where you are. You're at the venue. You're ready to play. I'm going to get focused on the people that I'm with. So you're calming yourself down. And then you want to, and then you pump yourself up. All right, we're going on stage. We're going to play. We're going to rock this thing. We're going to kill it. And I've, I've, I know this is super cliche, but I was literally in a band uh, called Lost Camels in Fort Worth, Texas, in the early, early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, and we would. It was a super popular band. We would sell out clubs when we would play, and it was a crazy band. And before we would play, we always would huddle outside of the venue and literally huddle and put our hands in. We had a chant, and uh, I'm not even going to say the chant because it was full of language that I don't think I should be saying <laughs> on this podcast, but we were pumping each other up. We were like, we are we are here, we're going to rock it, we're going to kill everybody, and, and, you know, all for one, one for all, and we would do the whole hands in and push it out and just go in there completely pumped up and ready to rock and and that was awesome so you know calming yourself down and getting pumped up is a two great things that that like go back to back in preparation for, for performance and when you're calming yourself down you know and getting centered you're removing the anxiety when you're getting pumped up there's nowhere that anxiety can even live because you're so you know, ready to go out and, and, and rock. And maybe you're not going out and rocking. Maybe you're, you know, backing up a, a classical singer. Or who, who knows what you're doing? But sometimes you might want to get pumped up. And a great way to do that is just taking on that role of being the backbone and making sure everyone is good and being the spiritual messiah of your situation. Okay, number seven. Let's see, what do I have here? You are, you, okay, I wrote, you are there because you most likely earned the position that you're in. Um, We are always harder on ourselves than anyone else is. You are playing the gig because you were either hired to play it or it's a band that you're in. You are there because at some point the decision was made that you were the right person for the job. So this should give you a great feeling and to remind yourself that it's not an accident that you're about to go on stage and play a concert. You worked hard to be in there. You were accepted by the group or you started the group and here you are. And I tell you one thing, I will say this for sure. As prepared as I am, and I talk to lots of musicians and this is the beautiful thing about music is I've been playing music my entire life professionally for almost 30 years i still get get excited and and nervous about i get i don't want to say i don't know if it's nervous but i get giddy about playing i get excited and i cuz i always want to do better that's the thing you can always 
you can always do better and you're always evolving. You're always becoming this new version of yourself as you practice and you're dedicated to practice and then you're bringing it out on the performances and it's just this ongoing thing that, that will go on your entire life. And so if you're nervous about, the, about going on stage, you know, just remember that you are there because you were, you're meant to be there. We're always where we're supposed to be. It's, it's rarely an accident that you get dropped into a situation where it's like, what am I doing here? I don't know anything about what's going on. Oh my gosh, someone wake me up. And I've definitely had those nightmares where you show up on a stage and nothing's working. My drums are always like sliding away from me and I can't can't hit them because they keep moving away and all these crazy nightmares when I was younger. Um and I think that I think that's good because it means that I care. If you're if you're remember this, if you're freaked out about you're playing. It means you care. If you're if you have a little bit of nervousness, it means you care. You want to do a good job, and you want everyone to enjoy it. And so that is good. You care. When it gets dangerous, and when it turns into anxiety, is when you say, "I want this to go really well. I want everyone to like this, but oh my gosh." What if they don't, you know, or there's the what ifs again. Take those what ifs, got to get rid of the what ifs. Those are deadly. No more what ifs, just this is what it is. I'm prepared. I belong here. I was hired to be in this band. Or this is my band. We are going to rock it. And you just do it. I mean, you're there because you're supposed to be there. We're never somewhere where we're not supposed to be. Okay, and it's just how well can you handle the situation? And the beauty of getting nervous, the beauty of having a little bit of anxiety, is you are that. That means that you you're growing. That means that you're going into territory that you haven't been in yet, and that is super exciting because that means that you're going to expand your entire world. Your entire universe is going to expand. When you're nervous about something, that means that it's, you know, if you can, if you can have that, there's a healthy nervousness. And when you have this healthy nervousness, it's, it's that you are excited about the unknown. That's different than saying, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do well. People are going to laugh at me or boo me off the stage. That's what creates, that's performance anxiety. Excitement, a little bit of nervousness about the unknown. Oh, we're going to go out and play this concert and it's very exciting. I'm a little bit nervous because who knows what's going to happen. That's a totally different thing. And you can turn that nervous energy into something positive when you, when you can remember that you're growing. This is a growing experience. I'm nervous because there's a little bit that I don't know about. And after tonight, I'm going to know about it. It's a really exciting time to, to have those, those little thoughts of, of nervousness and, oh, I want this to go perfectly. And uh, by the way, there is no such thing as perfect. So if you want something to go perfectly, it's not going to. But you can have an amazing experience because what is beautiful about perfection anyway? If you have a perfect, why why would you even do something if it was if you did it perfectly? The the excitement and the emotion and the energy that that drives us to move forward are those moments where we don't know what's going to happen. The perfection is in the messiness sometimes. The perfection is how do you handle the unknown? That's where the perfection is, not in the performance. Performances that are perfect are boring. That's a different podcast. Now, here's a little side note to you are there because you most likely earned the position. Is There is a delicate balance between confidence and humility. When you're confident... That means that you're, you're, you're being authentic. You're being real about who you are and what it is that you do. You don't want to... That, that's not saying go through life with a big ego and stomping on people and demanding respect because of your level of playing or whatever. Confidence means you are there, you are solid, you are authentic, you are prepared. That's confidence. Humility 
is a tricky one too because when you're when you're humble sometimes it comes across as you are incompetent in a way so if you a lot of times people who act humble are actually fishing for compliments like oh you know this is a side note but like if you've ever done a concert and I'm and I'm sure if you've played a gig then you've probably experienced this cuz man I I think we've all experienced it a million times you you do a performance and someone comes up and says man that was awesome and your reply could be oh man no I didn't I didn't really do a very good job why would you say that why if someone comes up to you and says that was awesome and you're going to say oh no it wasn't very it was actually wasn't very good First of all, you're telling that person that they don't know anything, that they just gave you a compliment that you are disagreeing with. So you just invalidated their excited opinion. So that's not cool. Secondly, you're probably fishing for a compliment. Oh, no, I didn't really play that well. In hopes that they're going to say, oh, no, you played great. You know, this song you did awesome. And you're like, oh, yeah, tell me more about me. And so humility is sometimes cloaked. The ego is, you know, humility cloaks the ego in a way that's like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of deal. Like humility is the, is the clothing over the wolf ego. So you got to be careful of that. You got to be careful of that. If someone comes up and tells you that you played awesome, all you have to say is, Thank you. <laughs> because then it, it validates them. It makes them excited and pumped up. Because someone is, if someone takes the time out to come up to you and say, that was awesome, that means that they are so pumped up that they're probably going to go home and whatever it is that they love to do, whether it's you know collect stamps or you know uh, shoot baskets or whatever, they're probably going to be more excited to do it because you inspired them. And don't invalidate them by saying, uh, I don't know, wasn't that great. Thanks. Man, you played awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. You know, keep things on the positive. But confidence and humility are tricky because confidence can be seen as e egotistical and humility can also be seen as egotistical. So, so really just, just this, the fact that you understand what, what confidence is and how to have it without being too pushy or bossy, and how to have humility without seeming like you're fishing for a compliment, just think about those two things, because those will, those will do some nice things for you when the time arises. Okay, number eight. Number eight, here it is, ready? All capital letters, have fun. Don't forget, music is fun. Um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a period in any musician's life where they get very serious about music. You have to get serious because you're deciding to dedicate your life to playing an instrument. And if you don't put enough time in, you might not become an actual professional musician. So that that makes you serious about things and you know the business itself you know besides actually being able to play your instrument but then understanding the business you have to be serious you have to you can't just goof around and joke around if you're like talking to people about contracts that involve lots of money and lots of people so you have to be serious but seriousness can turn into darkness very easily and in Texas and I'm not saying that I would get dark, but I would be very serious. I, I'm, I'm serious now. Um, but I also understand when it's important to be serious. But I would, uh, I would talk about, you know, after the gig, I'd be like, man, you know, I wish, I wish we did this, or I, I, I'm bummed that, that I, I, didn't, I didn't read what you were doing well enough, and I, I should have let you play one more chorus of solo, and I'm so sorry that I took it, took it back to the head or, or I feel like I stepped on, you know, you're talking, you're, you're hashing, you're talking about the performance. This is in like more of a jazz situation where there's more freedom. And I would be like analyzing the performance and trying to figure out how can I make it better next time? And you know, what, what things, what things can I fix and all this stuff. And the person I used to play with all the time 
a great friend of mine in Texas named Joey Carter, he used to always say, it's just music, man. It's just music. And I would always be like, yeah, like it's not rocket science. It's not life or death. It's just music. We're just people playing music. And there are people here enjoying the music. But we can get so freaked out about having these impossibly perfect performances and and we can get so freaked out about all the all the little things that we think are so important and they are important because those little things are what make you a passionate person about what it is you're doing but at the end of the day if you're stressed out because of your gig it's just music have fun Joey is the professor of percussion, and he's a jazz ensemble director at Texas Christian University. He's an awesome drummer, pianist, and vibraphonist, and he's just, I know everybody that's gotten to study with him over the years at at TCU are very lucky, and I know they all probably have a story of Joey in one way or another calming them down, because when he says, it's just music, it makes you go, Oh, yeah, right. It's just music. It's here. We're here to play it. I'm lucky to play it. And we're spreading joy. We're we're spreading inspiration. We're spreading happiness. What's there to be nervous about? What's there to have performance anxiety about? This is all about an expression of creativity, an expression of love, an expression of of uh, camaraderie and 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 harmony it's just music but it's also a, an opportunity to just to present beauty to the world now i'm kind of getting loose a little bit here by saying what i just said because there are definitely some some situations where performance anxiety is because you are preparing a piece of classical music and you're playing a piano concerto with an orchestra. That's different. That's not, hey, we're just spreading love and this is this is all good. It's like, that's when you need to be prepared. You need to have a per- personal connection with the conductor and the first violinist, the concertmaster. You need to be authentic. You need to, you definitely need to breathe a bunch. And when I'm talking prepared, if you're talking about like, if you have if you're a classical pianist and you get performance anxiety, I don't know, you aren't prepared. You aren't prepared to play your music. I mean, a lot of these things are just common sense. A lot of times performance anxiety comes from not being prepared, not having a personal connection with the musicians, not being authentic, not breathing, not being involved as possible with as many details of the performance as you can, not taking on the role of being the backbone. Those are, those are, when you're not those things, that's where performance anxiety can sneak in. You know, if you're a classical pianist and you think that you can practice the piece three times and then go out and do a great job, well, in those situations, you're under the microscope. You better prepare yourself. You better, like, know that music down cold. I think, I think it's in Russia. Uh, who, it's a, it's the, uh, I think it's called, I think it's the Tchaikovsky Institute maybe. It's a it's a music conservatory in Russia, Russia based named after a famous Russian composer and I think it's Tchaikovsky. And their their philosophy or their approach to performing is let's see what is it? You have to be able to play the piece of music. I've heard a couple different things and now I'm just riffing off the top of my head but uh you have to play you you have to have performed the piece of music correctly more times than you've performed it incorrectly so when you get to the point where you're ready to play the piece all the way through you play it all the way through and if you made a mistake that goes under the category of incorrect performance and you do it again and you get another incorrect performance well now you have to get it right three times in order to to feel like you've you're you're ready to perform the piece. So if you make any mistake, you have to do it that many times plus one 
before you're ready to perform it. So that's a that's one philosophy. And the other one was I think you have to be able to perform the piece like 10 times in a row perfectly with no mistakes. So that's, you know, that comes under the thing of prepared. And there are there's a whole spectrum of preparedness. I mean, if you're preparing to be the pianist for a big thing with a symphony, that's that preparation is way different than if you get called to you know, play saxophone at a jam session on a jazz jam. And you have to, you know, you're going to play two songs and you're going to improvise once you play the head. Totally different preparation, right? Or if you're going to go with your band and play a gig at a bar and you're going to play 20 cover songs, that's a different kind of preparation than if you're in an original band you're going to go play at a bar and you're going to play your 12 original songs. Totally different preparation. There's all different levels of preparation. And once you start to get your experience in what it is that you're doing, you start to understand what the appropriate amount of preparation is and that expectation of what it is for your band. Like Sometimes I remember there, there have been times where I've gone on stage and I've been nervous in the past way a long time ago because I didn't feel like the other people in the band were ready. And that's why I was going to look, I felt like it was going to make me look bad. Everyone else is not ready, and it's going to make me look bad. If you're in that kind of situation, I hate to say this, but get out of that situation. Seriously. It's not worth it to be around musicians who are bringing you potential uh, anxiety. (laughs) If, 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 Things are going downhill because of other people. You don't need to be involved in that. Always surround yourself with people who are inspiring you to be better at what you do. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you live in a city where there's not enough people to make that choice. You just, here are the people in my town that know how to play an instrument, so we're going to put a band together. And now all of a sudden you're wrapped into five different people's emotional life craziness and... It turns out that they wanna, they're more interested in partying at a rehearsal than actually getting down and playing a, a gig or being serious about the business. Yeah, you got to be aware of that and get out of it. In fact, uh, one of my students in Australia, uh, Gary, he has had some of that experience recently where he's had to pull out of a couple of bands because they weren't serious and he wants people to be serious. And that's hard to do because when you pull out of bands, you never know when you're going to find another band sometimes. And it takes a lot to say, you know what, I'd rather spend my time practicing on my own and waiting or looking for the right people to, to do a band that, that I care about. So, you know, that's, that's the hard part, especially, you know, all this stuff is, is so intertwined. I mean, if you, if you are friends with the people in your band and they're they're also kind of bringing you down and it's hard to leave just because you're friends. There's a lot wrapped into all that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's not just black and white. So you've got to navigate the territory and just make as good of decisions as you can in each moment. And, you know, when you, when you take music seriously and, and not to go against Joey's thing of saying it's just music, but when you take it seriously, like I want to do this as a career, I want to play with the best musicians I can. I want to understand the business because if you understand the business, then you can make a living. And if you make a living, you can keep playing music. So those are the things that you want to be serious about. And when you do that, you're making decisions from a different perspective. You're making decisions from a, a more serious perspective. And if, you, if you're reading into the signs that these people who want to have you come to join their band aren't lining up with what you know to be best don't do it you gotta it's hard and and man i tell you the the world of music attracts a lot of people who want to avoid life who want to avoid stepping up and doing things in a responsible organized disciplined and professional way and even the greatest current rock bands are very organized and very aware of what's going on. Those days of 
of the rock star having no idea and the manager being the one that tells them everything to do, those days are gone. Everyone is aware of how things run and you've got you've to be on that, that ship as well. So when you get serious and when you do all these things, performance anxiety doesn't even make any sense to me. I mean, even if I, as I'm just talking, it just doesn't even make any sense to say performance anxiety is something that is serious that I have to really, that, that's keeping me from being able to play. I mean, it's a no-brainer, really. Be prepared. Like the people you're playing with. Be authentic. Take some breaths if you're a little bit anxious. Get involved in all the details of the performance. Take on the role of being the foundation for everybody else. Remember that you're in that band because you were hired to be in that band. You're in the right place. You're, you're where you're supposed to be, and you're having fun. You do all those things, you're going to have a great musical career. Be serious. Practice. Make good decisions. I think everything will go great. Okay, well, guess what? It's after midnight now. <laughs> that was fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully what I said makes some sense to you. And um, hopefully this is something that will inspire you to uh, grow as a musician. Okay, have a great one. I think I'm going to crash. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.